You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hi, y'all. We've got some exciting news over here at MTL. We now have merch. Oh, man, Kara and I have worked so hard to design items that would be helpful in the juggle and struggle of the hashtag mom life, and we so hope you'll find something you love. Please check out our shop at mamas-talkin-loud-podcast.myshopify.com or if you need something easier, just go to our Instagram profile at Mamas Talkin' Loud and shop in our Insta store. We've got to-do lists, insulated mugs, fanny packs, and so much more. We would love it if you would find something that you will use in your day-to-day life and get joy from. Get them before they're gone. Have a good one. Thanks. Hi, everyone. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of Mama's Talking Loud. I'm Jessica Rush. I'm flying solo today because Kara is enjoying some much-needed family time away. But also it makes sense because this is a very special episode. In celebration of International Women's History Month, I sat down in person, in studio, with some of the mamas and mama figures of Tina, the Tina Turner musical on Broadway. It was so lovely to sit down and discuss not just how we balance motherhood and a career in the theater, but most importantly in this month of celebration, to find out how their own journeys influence the way they tell the story of this iconic, powerful, amazing woman, Tina Turner. Here's my conversation with Myra Lucretia Taylor. Here's my chat with Tony nominee Myra Lucretia Taylor, Natasha Yvette Williams, and Katie Weber. Good morning, friends. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Welcome to Mama's Talking Loud podcast. Thank you for being here um, on a two-show day. Mm-hmm. We're doing this on a two-show day, everyone. Um, and it's been a minute. It's it's really exciting to be sitting here, to be honest, for me. Kara is not with us today. She is at Disney World with the kiddos. So mm-hmm. it's just myself with my fellow Tina maternal figures, mothers, all the things. What's exciting is that we talked to Natasha. Natasha Yvette Williams is here with us. We talked to her on episode 13 Mm. in February 2020 in studio, one of the last in-studio episodes we did. And this is episode 83. Mm. So (laughs) if you missed a few in between, go back and listen. We also (laughs) talked to Katie, Katie Weber, um, during the pandemic Mm -hmm. um, because she has written cookbooks. That was her pandemic pivot, which is also now just this entire side hustle extraordinaire. Um, so we've already spoken with both of them about mm-hmm. being mothers in this business. Mm-hmm. And this morning I am here with them from the company of Tina to discuss what it's like portraying mothers in this, in this show, how those women help to tell Tina's story, um, the work we've done to get there. And also we'll talk a little bit about, you know, just balancing it all because life post pandemic for myself included has been infinitely harder than it seemed that it was before. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think awareness is key. Mm -hmm. Um, But I do have to say that Katie and I, for those of you who are listening and aren't aren't aware of this, we are available 
we recorded this episode, so you can go watch it as well. Check out the Tina Broadway uh, social media handle on Instagram or on Twitter. We're on Twitter? Yeah? Yeah. See, I had to double check. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> I only do the Instagram mostly. But um, go check it out there because you'll see that Katie and I uh, are both wearing button-down shirts. Collared <laughs> button-down shirts. <laughs> and all the ladies have dangly earrings except me because I did not get the memo. <laughs> so, you guys, y'all didn't tell me this before we came here. Um, however, let's get started because uh, we do have to get to the matinee. There's a fight call to be had. Um, <laughs> I am sitting here to do a proper introduction with Natasha Yvette Williams, who plays Zelma. Definitely. And um, she is the mother of twins which is a whole other thing. Multiple Mm -hmm. Mama's Madness was her episode. (laughs) And she talks about auditioning how soon after giving birth? Five days? Yeah, five days. Five days after giving birth to twins. That's that's a whole episode in itself. (laughs) And then we have Katie Weber, who um, is mother to Ollie, who is five, who was a little Broadway star herself (laughs) this year. Um, And she is in the ensemble. And... um, some exciting things coming up from that. And then Miss Myra Lucretia Taylor, Tony nominee mm-hmm. for her role of Gigi and Tina. She is here with us as well. Yes. Um, ladies, I just have to say, between the three of you, you have 22 Broadway shows. Oh, wow. And if you add me into it, we got 28. <laughs> wow. So I have to say, okay. no one here is under the age of 40, for one. <laughs> I mean, Katie just is at it. But, you know, we are veterans, I would say, mm-hmm. um, very much so. I, I did learn something today about Myra before we jump into the Tina <laughs> focus. You were the first black woman to play Madame Morrible in Wicked yeah. in 2008. That yeah. was I didn't realize you were the first. I mean, I was... Breaking barriers and tra- blazing trails everywhere. But um, that was interesting that I learned yeah, this morning. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think there have been people who have been understudies, mm-hmm. but I was the first, like, uh, on contract yeah. on the tour. Well, and wow. considering that Brittany just took over as a full-time Glinda, and she is the first mm-hmm. black Glinda, right? That's uh, So change is afoot, but that was 2008 you did that, mm-hmm. and here we are in 2022 wow. with her. So it, it took a while, mm-hmm. um, yeah. to say the least. <laughs> Uh, but that was an interesting thing. So, so in telling Tina's story, um, her mother is important to her journey. But the woman who starts her out, I feel like, on on the journey in our show specifically, of empowerment, of finding out who she is, of giving her the belief in herself to go out and journey towards her dreams, um, is Gigi. Mm. Is is her gran right mm-hmm. and. I, I love the song that the two of you do, and it's a, a solid moment at the beginning of our show, and then you come back throughout to be the wisdom and the guidance on her shoulder, right? I know, Miss Myra, as a caretaker, you are a caregiver and a caretaker you for your uncle, and I know, y'all, Miss Myra gets up at like four in the morning almost every day, mm-hmm. um, as well as doing eight shows a week, so I, I, you know, we talk a lot about moms in this business, and it's not just mom-centric. You know, mom encompasses a lot of things, I think, which can be the mother, the maternal energy, and the mother to others in various ways. And that is something that you definitely do. Um, so I have to say hats off to you. Because whenever I always, we make fun of people, you know, because they'll come in and say good morning, and it's one in the afternoon, and, <laughs> they, and they have no kids. And, they, and they're know, so tired. They're so tired. <laughs> and meanwhile, we've been up since, you know, 
6 36 mm-hmm. who knows yeah. you know and have already been at soccer games mm. and the like and all the things and i have these moments where i think oh my gosh they have no idea how tired we are and then i think about you myra and i think i don't have any idea how tired she is mm-hmm. the way you do that and i am just in awe of you and the love that you have and the commitment you have to family in in the way that you show your love in that way of caretaking how oh man that's so sweet thank you (laughs) yeah yeah well it's true it's true um how did that influence your take on Gigi how did you call on on your experiences did you call just sort of on the feeling I'd love to hear a little bit about the process you had with regard to we know a lot more I think about Zelma you know from the books uh from the biographies sort of who she was um but with Gigi Will you tell us a little bit about who she is, who you may have learned that she was, and how you move forward within within our process to bring her to life and you know get that Tony nomination? <laughs> <laughs> well, Gigi, it's just so you know it's so kind of wonderful and painful at the same time, and I think that's kind of like what happens with family or when you. Like, I remember when my nephew was born. You know, I'm not a mom. I'm not a biological mom. But I remember my nephew was born. It hit me so hard that I loved him so much. And the next thought was, oh, my God, if something happens to this child, I will be destroyed. And those two feelings, they just slam you. And um, that is, a. I guess that's just a part of our journey. That's part of the deal of being a human being. The, the the agony and the ecstasy, the love and the potential loss. And so with Gigi, it's just, you know, I just love being able to kind of rise up and just have that moment of sacrifice mm-hmm. of that, you know, you have, you love this being so much and you're doing everything you can to make, and you have to let them go. Mm-hmm. And you know that you're going to be up probably every night wondering if they're going to be all right. Like the line that kills me is when she sings, and if you ever think, think about me it's like what are you saying I will do nothing but think about you so I mean it's just kind of fire you got me emotional it's just it's just kind of a it's a privilege to kind of just live in that kind of um, delicious hell um mm. and I'm just I'm grateful to Philida for for giving me that moment and I'm grateful to her for the kind of light motif of Gigi throughout the, the piece mm-hmm. that she can call on. And I know in pre-pandemic days when we could meet people, it just always was just kind of um, warming to me when people said, you remind me of my grandmother. Mm-hmm. And it was really, it was people being saying, you remind me of being seen. Maybe there was a time when I wasn't seen. Or I was a little thing and, and nobody could see me or see what I wanted to do. And my grandma saw me. She saw me. It's about being seen. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah, I'm, I, I just went all around the houses. Mm-hmm. But I'm grateful. I'm grateful yeah. to be able to play this part. Mm-hmm. Well, it, that was beautiful. And you got us all crying. And I think, <laughs> you know, <laughs> delicious hell. That yes, is. I love that. I mean, I really think I love that. I'm going to. Exactly. I mean, I think whether you are a biological mother or you are a mother to others, or you have these moments or interactions and relationships that 
enable you to feel a love so deep. You know, we often say that being a mother is your heart is walking around outside of your body. And it's true. It's like I've spoken before about my anxiety. I didn't have the anxiety that I have before I was a mother. And Elliot was born and it went through the roof. And I think constantly of her. Constantly. I always tell people you will never move through the world as carefree again. No. Ever. Even when you're away, you will be thinking of the, your child, you know. And um, and, But I love what you said about being seen. And it's so important mm -hmm. for children specifically to be seen for who they are, to be respected, to be loved, to be supported. Um, and with that, what is heartbreaking to me in the show, if I watch it, and I, I usually don't. We're usually, to be honest, Katie and I are usually chatting about whatever our kids did that day, <laughs> stage right. <laughs> But when, when Zelma leaves, when Zelma takes Aline, spoiler alert, if you haven't seen it or you don't know, <laughs> Zelma left Tina, no, Anna Mae at mm -hmm. the time, her birth name, um, when she was a small child. 11, 10, something like that? Around that age, yeah. Um, the 10, idea 11. of leaving my child is just, I don't, that's something I can't even comprehend. Mm -hmm. Can you speak to us a little bit about, as a mother yourself, and I'm sure you probably feel, I mean, we all, sometimes we might want to let them go somewhere for a minute because we need a break, <laughs> but it's heartbreaking and heart-wrenching to watch, particularly, I have to say, like, when she is watching you, whether it's Sky or Juliet, or we have Ronnie right now playing, playing anime, when she watches you and Phoenix, or Fierce Phoenix, Fierce Phoenix, see, mm -hmm. see, mm -hmm. she got that pH. Sometimes Fierce I Phoenix. say fire, yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. basically, things, that's yeah. what it is, yeah. But when, when the two of you are leaving, and the look on her face of abandonment and heartbreak and fear, and I, how, how is that for you? It is a gut-wrenching moment. Mm-hmm. And it comes so fast, so early in our piece. There's not much mm -hmm. prep for that moment. You have just come into our show. What? You've been here, what, a month? A little over a month. Six weeks, maybe? Yep. Yeah, Natasha replaced Don Lewis, and um, she is Zelma. And because you did come in as a replacement also, mm -hmm. I think this is two-handed, mm -hmm. you didn't have the same rehearsal process no. that, that <laughs> we did in the beginning. Um which also means so much is left to your own interpretation, mm -hmm. your own uh, figuring out. Can you speak to us a little bit about that? I know I just asked like three different yeah. questions, but maybe uh, take us on the journey of that. I definitely had the benefit of watching you guys, you know, prior watching Dawn and watching some of the choices that she was making. Um, I had I had the benefit of that uh, so that I could build upon where she was and where she started and try to just add who I am on top of that. Uh, it's very difficult. That moment is so quick and um, it's so complicated and so uh, laced with so many emotions in trying to understand Zelma, um, trying to understand what could make her uh, walk out and the desperation that she must have been in the place, the place of desperation that she must have been in in order to be able to make a decision like that. Um so uh, what I'd love to be able to do is paint a picture of her that is not just a woman who leaves her child, but a woman who chooses that or recognizes that she's not the best person for her child. 
because of the gifts of her child, because of the energy of her child, because of all the things that um, she is unable to handle about uh, the light, the fire that Tina, the Anna Mae, was at that time. Um, and she just was not equipped to, to mother her and to be, um, you know, supportive and be what she could be. So she, 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 I won't say it couldn't have been the easy way, but it was the most, um, the quickest way. Mm -hmm. The door was closer than working through, um, teaching and, and growing this child. Uh, and also the husband and the abusive relationship that she was in. Um, she just got out and she got out with the child, one child, um, that she felt like she could nurture. Um, so yes, very difficult, very complicated. Yeah. And it's complicated every night. You know? mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm sure I, you know, I hadn't thought about, and, and this is my, you know, I've listened to your scene in the hospital and mm -hmm. near the end and you talk about fire being hard to hold mm -hmm. and, I think I hadn't given it as much thought from Zelma's perspective mm -hmm. of how difficult it might have been mm -hmm. to be Anna Mae's mother. Mm -hmm. It's so taboo to say that, like, I can't take care of my child, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And particularly, I think now we live in a time of so much scrutiny of people uh, judging so much. There's such an awareness and a heightened focus on parenthood in general. And I think about how people used to put their children in institutions that they could not take care of. Mm -hmm. You know, there are things like this. They would leave them. My mm -hmm. actually, my father-in-law's mother abandoned him mm -hmm. to run away with a vaudeville actor. So, mm -hmm. <laughs> but you know, he, she abandoned him when he mm -hmm. was like six years old or mm -hmm. something. And, um, and what that does to a child then mm -hmm. on the flip side, to be chosen, the choice was made to leave. Mm -hmm. So not only are we thinking of it as the mother and, and what she must have been going through, but then we have to think about how that affected literally the rest of her life. Sure. And it did affect Tina, mm -hmm. right, forever. Um, thank goodness there was Gigi. Thank that was God. able to yeah. give her some love and come mm -hmm. back. Mm -hmm. um, I want to switch over. We're going to shift a little bit to Katie. Mm -hmm. Katie's sitting here in between Hi. you two ladies. <laughs> and Katie, um, like I said before, she wrote cookbooks. She is a holistic, certified holistic nutritionist, right? Yes. And you have the Plant Forward cookbooks. Yep. Um, Katie, what I've noticed, and we've never really talked about this, but Katie is like a mother in our company. And I thank you. I don't know if you feel that or not. She's the cool mom. Like, Jessica, <laughs> I'm the mom that people are like, oh, Jess, we're messing around. We're not supposed to be messing around. Whatever. Jess is going to get on to us. But, Katie, you're the cool mom, definitely. Not a regular mom. I'm definitely a cool mom. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, you are the cool mom. and But I wanted to talk to you about that because we are in a state of transition, right? Mm -hmm. We, for so long, we were on the younger side of our company, maybe. We were something other than what we are now. Mm -hmm. And have now that you are a mother, we are mother figures within the company. They look to you for guidance. They ask you questions. You know, I, I'm fascinated to know if you've thought of that or also like what that has, what that might mean to you and how, um, 
how do you ride the line of being the cool mom? Because okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that. I feel like we're like the yin and yang, not the yin and yang, but like the tip for tat. Like we are, it's like I'm tapping you in because you're the cool one. And then it's like, and then we come together and we chat and we discuss the things. But yeah. what's it like being the, the mom in lots of ways? Also with regard to our bodies and nutrition, yeah. you know, helping people stay healthy. Well, I do love that. Um, you know, I don't I don't think of myself as a mom in the company at all. I do oh sorry, I just touched my microphone. I do um I do love to chat, you know. <laughs> I, I, I feel like I'm always an open door for, you know, talking about life and choices and situations. Um that that turns me on, that gets me going all the time. Um I definitely don't think I'm cool at all. (laughs) I don't. I try really hard, though. Um, (laughs) But, you know, it's funny because I think about being 40, which is, you know, on some level, I feel like like a dancer ages in dog years and I feel like I'm so old and I've been around so long. And I and I also feel better than ever. And I feel like 40 is not old at all. Mm -hmm. But. I think about when I was 25 and, and actually I felt like I was, that was my, when I started my first Broadway show and I felt, I didn't even feel that young at 25. I felt kind of older then. And I I remember looking at a girl in the ensemble who was 30 and, um, Megan Sakura, who is, I mean, she's queen. Yeah. Yeah. But at the time, my ignorant self was like, I am never going to be 30 you know, in an ensemble. Oh my gosh, she's 30, you know? And then I also remember seeing people, you know, maybe phasing out of performing and I would feel so bad for them. Like, Oh, they just, they lost it or they're not interested or, you know, like what else is there in life? What else could there possibly be? And now I do feel like I have an interesting perspective of, you know, I really didn't think I would be 40 in the ensemble or or in a Broadway show at all. Still, you know, putting my heels on and stretching my legs and, you know, doing the mega mix, you know. Um, <laughs> but I feel I do feel like I enjoy talking with people about how to be a well-rounded performer and also a well-rounded human. And it it doesn't, I don't think it has to be all or nothing. And I think it only makes you a better performer to also, you know, work on your, your humanness and other things in your life and your tending, you know, I think maybe the pandemic taught us that like tending to our personal needs, our families, our lives, our mental health, the things that I think kind of fall to the wayside when you're in this performing career and you're hungry and it's like nothing else matters, but booking the job and showing up and being who other, who you think other people want you to be, Mm -hmm. you know? So on that level, I really do love, you know, talking with, with the children Mm -hmm. in the show (laughs) about these things. And when I say children, I just mean, you know, exactly the 20, 20 somethings Mm -hmm. for sure. Um, I agree with that. I do think what you touched on is really wise, and it's something that I myself only am learning as well, which is that there can be space for all of it, right? Mm -hmm. And I think that um, for so long, particularly as a mother 
or motherhood in general, it was an it was all or nothing, right? Either you have a kid and you leave the business, or you choose to not, you know, um, consciously choose to not have a family or or a traditional family in that way, and um, and I think we're still struggling with that a little bit. I definitely think there's still times where people assume we won't be interested in something because we're a mom or she won't leave town. You know, I don't think they give the fathers the same amount of thought, truthfully. Um, but the pandemic for sure has sort of opened my eyes, at least, to the balance of it all. And I find I find myself being torn with what I always thought I needed my life to be and and what I, what I think I could also have um, fulfillment from. It's like... But wait, but if I'm not doing eight shows a week, then who am I? Mm-hmm. What am I doing? You know? And um, and that's a struggle. That's a very, that's a struggle. Do you ever, Miss Myra, I would love to find out from you, um, for the, you've done also film and television. You do, you sort of run the gamut and go back and forth. And do you find one more than the other you enjoy more? Do you... Do you prefer to take time away from one and focus on the other to sort of um, to to ebb and flow? Hmm. I like it all. You know, I feel like I know less about film and television, but I think I've been fortunate enough to work with people who allow you to have a little more ownership mm. over or have allowed me to have a little more ownership over those Arts. Um, most of the time, there's more money in film and television <laughs> ding, ding. for the amount of work you're doing. So it, that's a good option. Um, there's more exposure, certainly. You know, there's some people who only feel it's, you know, like, well, I haven't seen you on TV, but, you know, hey. I, honestly, I've been thinking more about, hmm. When am I going to retire? Ah, mm-hmm. see, I didn't want to assume, but that was sort of what I was wondering. Like, if you're getting to the point where you're like, you know what, I'm good. I'm good. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, there are times when I would like to do less. Mm-hmm. You know, this the schedule that we're on is 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 a lot. Mm-hmm. It doesn't, the older I get, it doesn't seem to, to allow, Katie was talking about being a human being. It doesn't kind of allow you to be a human being. I mean, you kind of need more than one day off yeah. to kind of do your life and regenerate and kind of be a person. And that feeds into being a better performer. But, yeah, I'm thinking about, mm, but, no, I'll probably be doing this until I dropped. I'll just probably just <laughs> drag my... I was going to say, do actors ever really retire? I feel like, to a certain degree, we don't. I, I know I have friends who have retired, and quotes, and then... I see them doing something summer stock or some, every now and then they do a little something. You want to book a job, you should just retire. Right. You know. <laughs> right. Retire or leave town. Or, or yeah, mean, or book a vacation. Know. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then you've got it. Yeah. But it's true. The schedule does not leave a lot of room for the humanness. And I do think that for a long time, I thought it had to be only this thing. And, and I agree wholeheartedly that the more well-rounded of a person we are, the more we can bring to the work we do. Right. And the more it can influence the work we do on stage and on camera and the stories that we tell. Um, Natasha, I want to ask you, circling back to Zalma, how 
how did you sort of reconcile? I mean, you spoke a little bit about thinking of her um, and how desperate she must have been and, and what she went through. But as a mother and of your own motherhood journey, how I was wondering, how has your being a mother influenced the way you portray the role as seeing as how who she is is so different from who you are? Uh it 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 uh it's important to to note that when I came into the role, I got some direction that Katori Hall, our our writer, wanted to be sure that the that Selma's humanity and her love for anime was present. And it wasn't just the the villainy of leaving your child. Um that Zelma was wounded. Um, Zelma was in pain. And because of that pain and desperation, she made certain choices. And some of them, she thought, were for anime, for her benefit, because she couldn't give her what she needed. I reconcile that every day in that we are, as parents, I think, constantly or hopefully, if we're good parents, trying to make our children's life better um, than our lives are. And so we, and everything we're doing is causing them some type of, uh, effect. Um, (laughs) we can, uh, smother them too much and that's going to make them be a certain way. We can ignore them a little bit. That's going to make them be a certain way. So everything we're doing is causing some type of effect in them. And hopefully we're building better humans. Um, and so I reconcile it by understanding that, in order to be a parent, I have to be a person. I have to be alive. I have to be um, healthy. Zemo was not healthy. Um, so that I try to make sure that I'm making des- decisions from a healthy place in that self-care uh, aspect that I'm not really good at. Um, I was going to say, when do you have the time? Yeah, that I'm not really good at, but I'm, I'm working and working at getting better yeah. at that um, so that I can make better decisions and live um, a life before my children that, that says to them, work is important, so is your family, so is your body, so is um, the care that you give yourself, um, and make those decisions based on that. So I reconcile all of that um, by saying that I'm trying to make decisions for my kids and praying that... Hopefully, Zelma's decisions were for ultimately for anime, so that that love comes through and you don't just see. I love that. The, I think it does. Parts. I mean, I definitely think you also, as who you are as a person, the warmth that you have and mm-hmm. sort of the um, the lightness that you have um, comes through through the darkness of Zelma as well. That's I good. think um, you know it's not easy I, to play a role of, of someone that people don't like, mm-hmm. right? Um, I think they still have a lot of feelings about you. Sure, they do. <laughs> but they do. as opposed to you being just the villain, mm-hmm. you know, I think that there's um, there's depth to what you're doing mm-hmm. and who you are. And so I think that in turn, there's a struggle within the audience of yeah. like, I want to really dislike this woman, yeah. but then I also feel, you know, because your natural energy. you know, There's a struggle with me too, even just yeah. bowing. You know what I mean? Because it's like, what... I'm sorry, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. um, so it is difficult and it's different every day. So mm-hmm. It's well, also maybe, maybe not everybody has this experience, mm-hmm. but I also feel like watching that relationship, you know, maybe my mother didn't abandon me or anything like that. Mm-hmm. You know, my mother is lovely. Mm-hmm. However, I do think, uh, 
quite often a mother-daughter relationship is so tricky Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it's loaded. And whether your parent abandoned you or, 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 you know, your mother abandoned you or not, I, I feel that a lot of women particularly and probably men too watch that and can relate on some level Mm -hmm. just to the nuance and the, you know, it's often it can be so loaded and, and it's this push pull all the time. So Mm -hmm. I think whether you had an experience that was that extreme or not, you can, you can relate relate to it, you know, for sure. Well, Katie, you, um, I touched on this before and I want to talk a little bit about your mother daughter dynamic mm-hmm. with Ollie, particularly as it pertains to when you're both in a Broadway show. <laughs> um, yes. For those who don't know last fall, Oh my God, it's already been in the fall. I know. Ollie played little Lulu and waitress here on Broadway. And mm-hmm. that happened really fast, but how amazing that you and Ollie were both on Broadway at the same time. (laughs) (laughs) Will you tell us a bit about that experience? Yeah. Well, first of all, it was, that is something I never ever in a million years thought I would be, you know, experiencing or saying that my kid and I were on Broadway at the same time in different (laughs) shows. Um, But it just kind of, you know, came out of the blue and my agent was like, would she be interested? And, you know, she's never done anything like this. Well, when she was a baby, I like took her for a modeling job and it was honestly one of the most nightmarish days of my life (laughs) because my child was, you know, the one screaming and crying and not doing what she was supposed to do. And I was like, never again will I ever, this is just for, you know, for $200, like absolutely not. (laughs) Anyway, so, um. So I asked her, is this something you want to do? You know, and she was like, yes. And I'm like, okay, okay, wait a minute though. Like you have to say lines, you have to be on stage. There's people, they're going to be clapping. Yes, I want to do it. I'm like, okay. Um, and it was, you know, her dad luckily is not in a Broadway show. So he, he <laughs> had to be it. with her backstage almost every night. And I was there. Sometimes they had an alternating schedule so I could be with her too. Um, Luckily, her contract was only five weeks long. It felt like the longest five weeks of our (laughs) life. But I will say that every day I was worried that she was going to be like, I don't want to do it today. And every day she's like, do I get to do Broadway tonight? And I'm like, yeah, and actually you have two shows. I have two shows today. Yay. I'm like, oh, my gosh. Oh, no. Um, So it was great. It was an amazing experience. Um, I'm happy it wasn't for very long, Mm -hmm. personally. Mm -hmm. And I do honestly struggle with, with, she's five, so she can't really know if she loves it or if she loves it because everybody around her is like, wow, you're amazing. And she gets so much praise. And, you know, we're obviously trying to be like, okay, do, you know, give her, it's like a dog and a treat. You know what I mean? And so I really... Even even now, she's like, can you sign me up for another Broadway show? And oh. <laughs> I'm like, honey, if it worked like that. Um, but I also am, I'm thoughtful about doing that because I, I don't want her to want to do it just because she thinks it makes me happy, mm. which I sometimes think about my experience growing up. And I, I did have a strong love for dancing and performing, but I also see how part of my drive was to make my mom happy. And I'm resentful to that, honestly. So, you know, I really don't want to like breed that. And we still have time to do, um, you know, to see if when she's 
you know, a little bit older if she's really interested and passionate about it. But um, overall, it was an amazing experience. And, you know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Well, I knew at three. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't know what it was. Yeah. But I knew I wanted to perform. Yeah? yeah. Oh, yeah. What about mm. you, Miss Myra? Um. Did you know early on? You know, I don't. I know. I used to watch my mom. I used to watch my mother watch the TV. It was more TV. Mm-hmm. My mother worked. Me you too. know, yeah. she worked super, super, super hard as a nurse. But when she wasn't working, she was home and she was watching her soap operas. I'm mm. actually named after a soap opera character, <laughs> and she would be That's in amazing. it. Like her whole face would change, and it would be the one moment of stillness because my mother works so hard at whatever she's doing, scrubbing, 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 cleaning, cleaning, cleaning. The soaps come on. Mm-hmm. that release she'd be in it her fa- and I would watch her watching <laughs> right and not that they neglected me or anything but I would be like I want to be in the TV right mm-hmm. right and um I never knew that I have ever expressed it but then I saw in little ways how my mother had supported me all along mm-hmm. to do what and I didn't know that she was even had was paying attention like that. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. I guess we're all, I guess it all worked out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. The stories, when those stories came on, that's my, my grandmother was the same way. She was like, don't interrupt me when my stories are on. Yes. Um, your kids were on a Broadway show, too. They were in a pre, Oh, I was out of town, out of town. pre-Broadway. Yeah, they got fired for Broadway. <laughs> no way. Yeah, they started singing and long. And, Did they yeah. really, or they just got too big? Oh, no, no, no. They, oh. were, they were making noise and singing, trying to sing. Because they were babies. They were babies. They were four months to seven months, and oh. they started talking at the seven month. Ah, la, la, you know, uh-huh. putting their hands in Josh's mouth and singing along. Oh, and Porgy and Bess. Yeah, with Nikki. So they, they, they were taking the fun. They, they were great. The audience loved them, uh-huh. absolutely. <laughs> but they were taking away from the story. Mm. So they got they fired. They were upstaging the stars. Yeah, they got yeah. fired. Do they have any, <laughs> um, any want or desire, do you think, to be a performer? Absolutely not. Amazing. They don't want to do it. <laughs> my, my daughter would do something backstage or something. Mm. She wants to care for people. Oh. But, uh, and my son would like to get paid to do something. <laughs> but he doesn't, yeah, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Well, Katie, when you go to work now, Ollie knows. She yeah. actually understands now what you're doing. Because mm-hmm. I remember we would FaceTime her before she was in Waitress. Mm-hmm. And so you would show her backstage or you're in the dressing room or whatever. But now... On yeah. some level, mm-hmm. she understands what you're doing. Yeah, yeah, it's That's funny, great. you know. They're they're like the hair guy at waitress, waitress closed, and then he came to our show and was swinging at our show, and then he's putting my wig on, and you know, the week before he was doing Ollie's hair, mm. and so I would Facetime her, you know, and I'm like, look, Ian's putting my wig on now, and mm-hmm. you know, she's like, Ian, what are you doing there? You know, <laughs> um, yeah, it's this interesting, you know, it is nice in that sense that she has an insider Mm -hmm. view especially now since the pandemic like I feel like back in the day you could just kind of bring your kids into the theater in between shows and have them run around and you know we don't have that now Mm. so um it it is nice that we can you know she understands yeah on that level yeah it's interesting what they pick up on too because Elliot actually a couple days ago her stomach was hurting at bedtime and Eric told me (laughs) that she said to him um when was the last time I called out sick? Yeah. <laughs> like, because that's the terminology uh, yeah. we say, right? Uh-huh. Like, oh, I'm going to call out yeah. on my show. 
We don't. But uh, she meant to be absent. When was the last time I was absent from school? Right. Yeah. Like, when was the last time I called out? <laughs> I was like, oh boy, oh boy, <laughs> that's mm. something. Um, but well, ladies, I am so happy that we sat here and we had this conversation, and I appreciate you taking the time today, um, just for this little short, you know, bonus episode for celebrating women. That's mm-hmm. why we're here. I mm-hmm. should have started with that. But mm-hmm. we're here as we close out International Women's Month to yes. celebrate um, to celebrate each other and to celebrate the figures in our lives and also the story that we're telling, right? The mm-hmm. the lady whose story we are telling every six days a week, mm-hmm. eight times a you know, eight times a week, Miss Tina Turner. Mm-hmm. She is an icon, she's incredible. I have learned so much about her. Um I, I always knew her music. My parents listen. They have it on vinyl. You mm-hmm. know, we listen to that. Mm-hmm. But um, it's a privilege to get to tell her story and to play Rhonda Graham. You mm-hmm. know, I, I realize right now in this moment that I've just been asking questions and not <laughs> and not talking about my own journey mm-hmm. as Rhonda, mm-hmm. who is her best friend, and mm-hmm. um, and what that relationship means to me and mm-hmm. how much I adore being able to portray that uh, friendship in the show. But um, Tina, Tina is incredible, mm-hmm. and it is a privilege to be there. I'm sure you all feel the same way, and one of the strongest women. And we have to continue to tell these women's stories yes. and to show the strength and the perseverance um, and the fortitude that uh, that so many have in the way that they move through the world and the trails that they blaze and the stories that they tell. Mm-hmm. So thank you, guys. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Now let's... Uh, Let's go to work. I know. Let's do it twice. Got a fight call. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Mama's Talking Loud. Special shout outs to Justin Squiggs Robertson for our fabulous new graphic. Kristen Lopez, Bobby Lopez, and Justin Wardweber for our awesome theme song. And of course, the Broadway Podcast Network for bringing us to you. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.